This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode here on the Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with us. Uh, today's episode is a little bit different than you're used to on our show. We've been away for a little bit. Uh, local elections. AJ has been, you know, running the gambit, trying to get a lot of campaigns going. I've been working with a couple campaigns as well. Uh, that, plus the fact that I've moved recently. We just haven't had the opportunity to get together and do a show. In the midst of this, let's call it drought, uh, I was invited by a very nice woman uh, named Maureen to go and film and record an episode of her podcast called Splitting Hairs. You can find it online. It's Hairs with a Z, Splitting Hairs. Uh, it comes out of Chicago. And uh, it was a really fun time. We drank a little wine. We had some fun conversation. By conversation, if you've listened to this show, uh, they would ask me a question. I would speak for 45 minutes, uh, they would forget what the original question was, as would I, and then we would move on. Uh, one of the things that's going on today with this show, uh, towards uh, probably in, in a little bit here, what I'm going to do is give you the raw audio uh, of that show. It's a pretty cool thing. So normally when you guys hear, uh, or especially when you see, uh, this episode is going to air on YouTube and they're going to you know post it and I'll share it all like crazy on all the social media, you'll know that it's out. But what was cool, what's cool about what I'm about to give you is this is the unedited stuff. Um, it's not completely unedited. There were some spots where there was just, you know, long periods of silences while we were moving lights around or stuff like that. I cut that. But other than that, everything that you're going to hear on the episode is going to be raw audio from a video recording session. And I thought you guys might find that kind of cool. It's still basically this show. Um, it's just with a different person. And I, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Now, if you've listened to the show, we hit a lot of the topics that I've hit before. Alex Jones comes up. But we've also, we, we also get into some other stuff. I try to explain where I come from on some of my beliefs and where we're going and everything. And it's a, it's a cool thing. So that'll be coming up a little bit later. But before we get to that, I did want to take a chance to uh, catch up with you guys. It's been a while. And a lot has happened, and I'm not going to get into uh, the nitty-gritty of everything, but since we've been gone, the United States of America has bombed Syria, dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. The president of the United States has basically got into a tug-of-war with North Korea. That covers you know, just the foreign policy stuff of what uh, President Jack Asmon Hairpiece has done. Uh, Beyond that, uh, WrestleMania happened, and The Undertaker supposedly retired, and I think when I get back with AJ, we're going to do a much longer piece uh, on The Undertaker and what he means in pop culture and where he stands, uh, something that I came to realize uh, while I was watching that show with a couple friends of mine was it's an interesting place in pop culture, taking aside whether or not you like wrestling Thinking about the man who plays The Undertaker, his actual real name is Mark Calloway, which you've probably never heard in your life. Because The Undertaker isn't like any other person who's ever existed in entertainment. Every other person is either themselves or they're playing a character, right? The Undertaker plays a character, but he never breaks character. He hasn't really broken character in almost 30 years. He's the dead man, the demon of Death Valley, the phenom, the undertaker. And whether or not you've ever watched wrestling, chances are you've heard of him. And he's retired. And that's just an interesting thing to think about that 
We know nothing of the man, only the character that he played, and that's the way he wants it. Most actors aren't like that. And he is an actor. He's a man playing a character. That's acting. It's it's weird acting, but it's acting. So I just we're gonna we'll get into that a little bit later. But the main thing I wanted to talk to you about today, and it's because uh, I went last night. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday morning, April the seventeenth. By the way, tomorrow at you'll be this will pop out on Monday. If you're listening to this show on Monday night, your taxes are due tomorrow. So make sure you get to the post office by five. The I went last night with uh, my room, my former roommate, because again I moved recently, and uh, his girlfriend, a couple other people. We went and saw the fate. Of the Furious, Fast and the Furious 8. And I wanted to take some time and just tell you what I thought about it, which was, it is amazing. The movie starts off with a car race where the car is on fire. Like, legit. That's how the movie starts. That's the opening scene, is Vin Diesel racing a car that is on fire. It's on fire. And he races it for, like, two miles. And I won't tell you how he finishes the race, but it's epic. That's how the movie starts. Look, I'm not going to get into a whole thing about defending the Fast and the Furious franchise. I don't have to. As of this morning, they are the number one opening weekend worldwide in the history of movies. Okay? Of every movie that has ever been made, worldwide opening, Fast and the Furious holds the record. That's nuts. This is a franchise that has no business being as good or financially successful as it is, and somehow this shit just keeps working. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you in the new movie except to say that it's there's a lot of uh, turns as to who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, some stuff that you see coming, some stuff that you may not. Uh, there's a, a cameo in it that is by a two-time Academy Award-winning actress, Helen Mirren, uh, this, this, it's insane. The movie is insane. The whole franchise is insane. And that's what I want to talk to you for a second about this movie and the ones that came before it. If you have friends who like it and they try to explain to you why they're such fans, they'll say they're entertaining, they're fun. Really for me, it comes down to this is a lack of arrogance. We've, we, we've talked on the show. You guys, if you go back and listen to the episode about the Oscars, I talked to people all the time about how upset I get every year when the Oscars come out and what I think of as good movies don't get nominated. Instead, we go with the artistic, you know, oh, what a plight it is to be human kind of stories that they tell. Fast and the Furious don't do that. There's one love story. It's between Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel. And other than that, they don't really force a lot of other stuff in there. The, the, the plot moves so fast. We've now gotten to the point where Charlie Theron is the villain in the eighth movie of this franchise. Apparently, by the way, in this franchise, if you play a villain once by the two sequels away from that, you're just one of the good guys as long as you live through the end of your movie. Uh, it's It's nuts. The the Rock at one I swear to God I don't know what that man does in his life to be that I mean I have some idea he, he clangs and bangs as he puts it at four thirty in the morning every day which that's something I want to get into there's there's been a thing going on on the internet lately that there's a there's a beef or a feud between the Rock and Vin Diesel and I find it very convenient that the movie where the two of them are pit against each other because, if you've seen the trailer, Dom betrays his family, is the one where The Rock and Vin Diesel don't get along. So The Rock comes out of pro wrestling. He's Samoan. He's, been his, he's third-generation professional wrestler. Those guys used to use the real world to promote matches all the time. 
I truly, truly believe that there is no beef, that this is just a way for them to market the movie. And honestly, I don't care because I was going to go see the movie no matter what. The Rock and Jason Statham are together in this movie a lot. And the lines that they have back and forth to each other as far as threatening them is hilarious. The whole movie is hysterical. Uh, you constantly are laughing because Tyrese Gibson is amazing in the role of Roman. You've got Ludacris, who is weirdly the best actor in the entire franchise, and that's not a knock. He's surprisingly good as the guy named Tej. You, you do start to feel now missing some of the members of the family that aren't in it. You know, uh, Gal Gadot has gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, Han dies at the beginning of Seven. Uh, obviously, we've got the loss of Paul Walker. Uh, Brian O'Connor, the, the Brian O'Connor character isn't there. So those are three of yours that are gone. Uh, the two Mexican guys from Fast Five and Six aren't in it as much. But the core is there. And really, it comes down to now, this family keeps expanding. You've got a returning Kurt Russell. Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood, is in the movie as a government agent. This thing just keeps on growing. But what I could not get over, and I, I said it to my old roommate, is we're sitting there watching the movie. And if you know from the trailers, at some point, a submarine becomes involved in the car chase. All I did is I turned to my buddy and I said, it's hard to remember that in the first movie, The Fast and the Furious, that came out in the year 2001, they were stealing DVD players. That's how this group got started. It was the Vin Diesel character, Dominic Toretto, was stealing VCRs off of moving trucks. That's where this whole thing comes from. And from that point, we are now into like thermal nuclear war style espionage thrillers with this group of street criminals. It's awesome. And the reason that I love this movie and the reason that I love all of them is that they don't try to be anything more than they are. They are entertaining, and that's all they're trying to be. You know, there are people out there who will get into, well, I really liked Moonlight because it was such an accurate representation of whatever. And you just want to go, there's no such thing as an accurate representation. There isn't. Unless your movie is legitimately taking direct lines from somebody's life, it's a dramatized version of something. There is no realistic, okay? The stuff, and even the movies that you're like, oh, that's almost too good to be true, chances are it's even bigger. My best example of that is there's the Johnny Depp movie where he played John Dillinger, Public Enemies, and you go in and they do a prison break and he fools three people with a wooden gun. And you're like, well, that's not believable. And it's not, because the truth is he fooled 12 but it was so unbelievable, and even though it happened in real life, they didn't put it in the movie because they didn't think the audience would believe it. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. This movie doesn't try to do that stuff. In this movie, there's a flaming car that is driven through a race. There is submarines. There's airplanes. There's just... It's insane. At one point, you've got an aerial intercept. You basically have Iron Man. Jason Statham as Iron Man in this movie at one point. I'm not kidding you. This thing's insane, and it just keeps going. And they have already booked out 9 and 10, and if you think that that's where they're going to stop after they've gotten three of these movies to set box office opening records, you're crazy. For whatever reason, these movies work. I wish I could tell you more than it's just that they are honest about what they are, and they're just trying to have a good time. Uh, part of me thinks that it's also look the diversity is a big factor. Okay, Vin Diesel is 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 a white guy. The rest of these people are either Latino or black, 
And that's a big thing in this movie. You, you, you know, they don't make it. And the, the thing that I love about it is they don't go out of their way to do it. It happened organically. It's just these guys came onto the screen. They popped. They were part of the organization. Organization. It's playoff time. And they just keep going. Like guys who had bit parts in one and two suddenly pop up in, in, in number eight. And, and you forget that they were in the franchise, but you go back and look. I mean, look, this is a movie franchise that Eva Longoria is a part of and will probably be coming back to. You know, you've got um, just actors that, like, you would not believe Gary Cole is in these movies. You've had, um, and Charlie Theron is now there. I mean, and Helen Mirren. Rumor is that the villain in number nine is going to be Denzel Washington. And probably 17 other people that you've never heard of. It's, it's nuts. This whole thing is great. And it just keeps on rolling. All right. That's the Fast and the Furious review. Uh, we'll be back uh, either later in the week or next week with AJ doing our regular show. I think what I'm going to do with this, re- uh, this whole thing is, just to let you know, I'm going to set it up before we start playing it. I was at this woman's. We, we filmed in this woman's apartment. What the, the concept for the show is she's a hairstylist. She has you come over, you sit in the chair, they film you while you get a haircut, and she interviews you. And her whole deal is she wants to get involved with people who do stuff locally, who kind of are, are going to be the next generation of Chicago uh, entertainers or you know business people, whatever. And I'm like her third guest. And it was a lot of fun, and she was a really great host. Uh, her boyfriend, Jason, was really nice. Um, the, the woman shooting was great. It's, it, it, was, it was a really good time. But what you're going to hear is, is the sound mainly of me in the chair talking to somebody else and trying to explain what it is that I do and also validate myself. I, I got to tell you, they were nothing but nice to me. They, were, they kept praising uh, me, which was really weird. I'm, I'm not a guy who's used to being told that he's doing very well or that he's very smart. And uh, these people kept saying that to me. Uh, it, it, they were very, very kind. Uh, just to let you know, what we're going to probably do is it's a long thing. Uh, when you shoot, there's a lot of, of time that doesn't make it to the air. So when you see the video when it comes out, it'll probably be close to like, if we're lucky, 15 to 20 minutes long of usable stuff. But the rest of it is going to get cut. Now, Maureen on her page has posted an edited down version of the show uh, that she wanted. And that's cool. But I've got a bigger, not a bigger platform, but I've got the ability to edit a little bit more on the audio side than they do. But what I'm really going to do here is this. I'm going to drop, I think, like an hour, hour and 10 minutes today. Um, I'll come back at the end and just do a real quick wrap up of just, uh, you know, again, do the propers and all that stuff. And then you guys will have a chance to listen to the first part. I'll try to find something that's almost cliffhangery and I'll cut it there, do the exit. And then we'll come back later in the week with part two so that you guys don't have to sit there and download, you know, a three hour file. I'll try to keep it to about an hour and 15, an hour and a half each. So you guys are able to have a good time with it. I hope you guys enjoy this recording. Uh, this is me at Maureen's apartment, filming the podcast, splitting hairs available on uh, SoundCloud. You can find it on iTunes and you can find her on Facebook on splitting hairs podcast. Uh, through Facebook, you can find her on Twitter, and you can probably find her on Instagram and Snapchat, stuff that I should do a little bit more of, but I don't because I don't like taking pictures. All right, guys, here it is. This is me being interviewed by somebody else and essentially monopolizing uh, her entire show. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Nick, let's do this. Indeed. Um, what would you like to see happen with your hair? 
Well, I have had the same haircut since 1989, uh, which Wait, is I'm the... Wait, I'm sorry, pause on that. Marie, I'm going to need to speak louder. Okay, do that again. Sorry. Okay, and three, two... All right, Nick, let's do this. Um, what are we doing with your hair? I've had the hair, same haircut since 1989, so I've decided to let you, in the interest of artistic sharing, uh, follow your muse. So if there's something you want to do with my hair that you think would work, great. If you want to have fun with it, I don't care. All I care about is that my beard be trim and that I look pretty. <laughs> so whatever you can do to make that happen. So I don't know if you have 47 hours. So whatever you can do in the amount of time we've got. Oh, yeah. No, it's, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll clean this up. Um, you've, got, you've kind of got like a uh, curl, basically. Mm -hmm. It's and the Greek. It's the Greek, yeah. And fortunately, I specialize in curly hair, so um, this pretty simple fix. I'm just going to take this up in the back. Okay. We got all this like heaviness down here, and this is short on top. So we'll do that. And um, how like what? How short or long are you? Like, what is your threshold? What is uh, what's short to you and what's long? <laughs> short to me is that it can't be slicked back. Like I like it just long enough that I can pull my hair back, and it looks. Presentable. I don't want shaved head style. So when you when you're pulling it back, how are you pulling it back? Usually straight back. Like uh, I mean, like with a comb and like product. With a, with, a, with yeah, with a with a brush and product, yeah. But you're not like you're not trying to because like there's not. I'm not no. Hair, I'm not going for the Eric. The man Donald. bun. I'm not going for the man bun, and I'm definitely not going for the Eric and Donald Trump Jr. skull look either. So. All right, so we're gonna okay, but we're gonna leave some length up here. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just gonna pretty much. Kind of connect everything. Um, we'll get this kind of a little bit shorter on your ears, so it's nice and neat. Yes. A, a gentleman's cut, and then but we'll leave this. We'll leave some length up here, and um, just take this up, and then we'll kind of blend your the you know the your beard right in there, so it's like just one continuous line. Good. And um, I, I think I think you'll be feeling pretty uh, dapper. Good. Done. And I can accomplish the Greek man's dream of having hair run from his feet all the way up to the top of his head. There you go. <laughs> right. So yeah, kind of how you relate. Um, I was my father. My father's Greek. He was born in the village of Tripoli. He immigrated to the United States with the rest of his family. My aunt Becky, my aunt Maria, my so first generation then. Huh? Yeah, first generation. Um, which is weird because my dad speaks fluent English and, you know, he's lived here his whole life. So it's not the traditional first generation immigrant, but it's, it's, it's there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they, they're all very proud of their Greek heritage. We go and celebrate Greek Easter, which this year happens to be on the same day as regular Easter, but almost every, uh, every, I guess that happens every five years or four years, depending on like how the, different day. right. It, it rotates with the lunar cycle. So oh, okay. it's a more say, traditional. Why is that? Because it's like yeah, it's not. I mean, it's all based on yeah. The it's same. it's not just Greeks. It's technically Orthodox Easter. A lot of other religions mm -hmm. do it as well. Gotcha. Um, but for whatever reason, when I was growing up, the Greek heritage tended to be more present in my daily life. Mm -hmm. My mom's side is Southside Irish, but it's more of American mutt. I think uh, they play nice though, Southside Irish and. Well, the, the guilt level is equally high, if not shared properly across both generations. So that's worked out. And then they, uh, they get along very well. You know, it's in, in both sides of the family are, are pretty cool. They're very different. My 
Dad's side is, you know, traditional Greek family, big family gatherings. I have, I don't know, infinity cousins on my dad's <laughs> side. Like, every Greek person I meet is apparently a cousin of mine. So, there's that. Yeah, and then same I, with Irish, too. <laughs> yeah, and then on my mom's side, you know, we're, we're it's a lot smaller, a lot closer. But I'm very lucky. My entire family, for most of my life, has lived within four miles of each other. Oh, that's it's good and bad. Yeah, it's good and bad, but yeah. it's mainly good. And uh, since my whole family will eventually watch this and judge me on it, which, trust me, is going to happen, um, I'll just simply say that they're all wonderful people, and I love them all very dearly. <laughs> Except, you know, my... Well, no, we're not going to bad mouth any relatives, because this isn't just for family. Yeah. There you go. But the crazy ones know who are crazy. Yeah. Well, no, then they're not... That's what makes you crazy. You don't know you're crazy. That's a fair point. <laughs> Kristen. Um, it applies to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like, I grew up with these weirdly similar yet two separate cultures, which is, is fun. And I went to Irish Catholic school as a kid, so it's weird that I don't identify more with my Irish side. But, mm-hmm. again, it's just the Greek thing was always more present. But I will say that a lot of the important entertainment stuff comes from my grandma, who... Got me at the very young age uh, to love movies and to love the White Sox. And most importantly, and I would be remiss if I didn't say this, it's love the White Sox, but almost more importantly, hate the Cubs. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. And I'm very glad in this public forum to simply say I am one of ten people in this city who hated the fact that they won. I wanted them to lose, and I hope that every single member of their team gets horrible injuries and can never play again. Oh, that's terrible. It is, but it doesn't change how I feel. Yeah. See, like, I, I, to be, yeah, if we're being truthful here, I don't really care one way or the other about most sports, or any sport, really, but I'm a Chicago fan. I'm all about Chicago, so, like, if the Chicago White Sox win, the Chicago Bowl, I don't care who it is, I'm, like, excited about it, but I did grow up on the north side, so I have to admit, there was a little bit of a, like, I can't believe I'm alive while this is happening, you know, and that was exciting. I've always wanted a piece of history, you know. I always wanted to be a billionaire, buy Wrigley Field, tear it down, and build Comiskey condos. <laughs> you know, you're going to cost us followers here. <laughs> but I'll gain you so many Sox fans. True, true. So, so you have that hundred thousand well, people going for you. My grandpa is Southside Irish. Yeah, he had the same thing. And me and my dad would just be so like, what? I don't understand. Like, and he was a Chicago cop for like 50 years. Or maybe not that long. That's, 40 years. He was a Chicago cop? Mm-hmm. Up until when? Of, well, I mean, he, he, I'm just he's wondering. gone now. He, 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 he was like 80. He was pushing 88, I think. He was pushing well, no, 90, I, 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 was just, I was just wondering if he was working the streets during the like 80s with all the crack and everything going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a racist, Irish, bigot. You know, the classic angry, like, spent too much time on the beat and then too much time behind the desk and, you know, just... So every cliche about a yeah, racist Chicago cop that you hear. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. That happens. It happens. It does. Wow. But he couldn't have been too terrible because I cannot tell you how many times just out on the out and about on my own, you know, whether I got pulled over for blowing a light or something, that, like, a cop would be like... Uh, any relation to Bernie McGovern? I'm like, wow, like, how, why would you know my, you know, because I only know my grandpa yeah. as, like, his, you know, grandpa. 
That's, that's Chicago, though. That's why I do the Chicago Podcast Network. It's the it's the world's biggest small town. Exactly. I mean, like if you if you've lived, I love that. Yeah. Well, if you've lived in this town your whole life, you generally speaking can't go anywhere where you don't know some people. Now, if you're traditionally... Or know people that know people. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're traditionally north side, you know, generally speaking, you're going to know more people up there. But, you know, I've got a couple friends who live on the south side. I've got family friends who are down there, you know, stuff like that. You know people everywhere. And then my dad's been a small business accountant for, I don't know, all my life. And he's got clients everywhere. And he's just one of those dudes who... He's he, you. I walk into most places that I go. They know who I am as my father's son. So mm-hmm. that's just the way things work in this town. Kind of like because you know the industries, you know, and it's I, you know I I used to think maybe it was just you know hair or just film or just you know the classical music scene or whatever whatever it may be that like it seems like everybody does know everybody. Well, because everybody's got a friend who's done improv at Second City or, you know, is a hairstylist at a salon or, mm-hmm. you know, worked as a bartender at Crowbar and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it just keeps going. Although I am aware that Crowbar closed Twitter followers, so don't go on there and flame me because I mentioned <laughs> a dead bar. I'm just in my 30s and I stopped going to the club well, when I'm Crowbar sorry. still existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. You have to prevent against internet hate. Yeah. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> sit, boo boo, sit. Good dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a bit. That was a bit we just did. It totally was a bit. <laughs> Maybe we should take this. Yeah. Take a second, appreciate it. Yeah, Let the yeah. moment simmer. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, second thing. I, God, I know so many people. It almost seems to me like it's not a real thing anymore. <laughs> I, took, I took a class there. I don't know, maybe eight years ago, and it, it went all right. You know, I got through it, and it was fine. It just wasn't my. Uh, to be honest with you, as much as I appreciate the artistic process, there if there's one thing I hate more than critics, it's people who are artistic sometimes because it's it just gets to the point where I don't know. I get frustrated dealing with people who they all become perfectionists at Second City, and it's not their fault. They, I'm sure that it goes away with experience, but at the early levels, you've got people who want everything to be perfect all the time and that's just not realistic to what's well, happening. Well, and you know what? It's the same with hair. Yeah. You get all that too. Yeah. The one that just graduates from beauty school and is like, you know, just an expert and everything, you know, and wants to direct every, you know, traffic and tell everybody what to do. But, but improv, that's a whole different, oh, I can't even, I get the whole like, you know, stand up, you know, because that's, that's kind of like, that's a scrimmage. You're doing bits and you know what I mean? It, but it, sometimes it takes those guys a really long time to, you know, like, before they come out with their next special or whatever. Like yeah, and that's... A year can go by. I, it's, I started in radio. Uh, I, I'm amazed. I was very lucky. I had a high school radio station. Uh, so oh, I went, that's cool. Well, and I like to do my North Shore voice when I do it. But I went to Gilbert South High School in Glenview. There's Which one? Gilbert South High School in okay. Glenview. Uh, it's just, it's a really nice neighborhood. It's Grover's Corners. It's every 50 sitcom in a town. And I come from an area where, you know, wherever you grow up, people badmouth it. But realistically, it was as close to the American dream childhood as you can get. And we had a really nice high school. And they had a radio program. And the teacher there, and I'll give her credit right now on air, was a woman named uh, Del Kennedy. And she saved my life. I don't ever say anything different. I was a very shy, very closed off shy. kid. 
I was. No, you got to understand, until I met this woman, until she dragged it out of me, I, I would sit in the back of the class. I'd never speak to anybody. I didn't have really any friends except one guy. Um, was my buddy Tony, but this woman saw something in me and just like made me get on the air and I would get really nervous and very strange about it. She finally pulled me into her office and it's a philosophy I live by to this day. She said, we had to do a presentation. It was like a 15 minute audio documentary and I did one on the Rolling Stones and it was really good and I worked really hard on it, but I hated listening and I still do hate listening to the sound of my own voice over tape. I don't like how I sound. In my head, I sound a lot deeper and have right. more gravitas than I do when I hear my voice. That, and there, there is actually a like, there's a, like a scientific reason for that. Right. It's your inner ear. You know, your what you're hearing is not what is being projected out. So, like, you know, the vibrations and the pitch and all that is all distorted in your head because it's your inner ear. Right. I mean? And so I'm all nervous, and I asked her if I could leave class while they played it. I was like, play it for everybody. I want them to hear it. I just don't want to listen to it myself because I've been doing it for so long. And she finally like played it and made me stay. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, I'm fidgeting and I'm very uncomfortable. And finally afterwards, she pulled me back in her office and she said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm nervous. I don't like it. She goes, Nick, let's say that it was the worst thing you could have done. Let's say that the tape had ripped off in the middle of your presentation and you'd gotten in that. She goes, which would have been bad, but let's say that happened. And I said, yeah. She goes, did any babies die? No. Did your mom die? No. Then who cares? And realistically, that's, that's kind of the philosophy that guides what I think about politics, what I think about life. Like, we, we freak out about stuff. We get really crazy about stuff. But she taught me that lesson, and it, it kind of took it into everything else. And so at the radio stuff, when I thought about doing stand-up as I got a little older... I love radio. I don't really love stand-up myself doing it. I love listening to it. But I like doing new jokes every day. I like reading the newspaper, reading the news. I go on a big part of what I do, and it's something not a lot of people do, is I read all the news. And when I say that, I do not mean that I read for five minutes. It means I go online every morning, and I start with... It's it's a list. I start with CNN. I go to the Atlantic. I go to Politico. I go to the Hill. I go to Fox News. I go and I get get everything because you've got to know what's going on to be good. And I just can't imagine doing that and then going on stage and telling the same jokes that I told last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, But I think you're a little bit more self-aware of where where your place is and what's going on. You know what I mean? So like like uh, if anything like like maybe like maybe you would have been a reporter or mm-hmm. you know what I mean it could have it, it makes sense that, yeah. that 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 comedy would be because you're just too aware you're not yeah. going to sit in one place like just tweaking well and you know you're going to kind of go with what's going on around you for the longest time I thought I'd end up in sports talk radio that's where I thought I'd be because I love I love I love sports and I love talking about it and I love stats and all that stuff. But when I focused on it, I started feeling empty. Like, because sports doesn't matter. At the end of the day, anyone who covers sports, anyone who talks about sports, it's entertainment and it's fun and it's important to people because it's something they care about. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to affect anything. Like, no one's going to, no, nothing's going to change. I'm never going to make a team do something I wanted to do because I'm on the radio. Yeah. But when it comes to politics, if you get a big enough audience, if you have enough voice, you can direct, you can direct the conversation. 
And one of the reasons I do this podcast, I tell my friends, is it's because I can't be Batman. If I could be Batman, if I could go out and fight crime, if I you know, wasn't the fat mess that's all shaggy in front of you, I, I would legitimately go do that. But that's not an option it's for a career. Yeah, so I talk about stuff and I try to inform people about what I think is going on. And so you're a social vigilante. Yeah, I like to think. That's, honestly, that's the best way I've ever heard it put. Yeah, that's the way I like to think about it. I try to fight for reason and kindness. Mm. Thank you. You know, that's 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 what my argument is. Yep. That's, that's and can we stop the hysteria, please, about everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's you know, like just yeah, this is what this is what we got. Like let's let's because you know, like if it's just it's like um, you know, you ever heard? I'm sure you've done some sort of sales, but the term everyone's kicking tires or yeah or just. You know, it's like that's all everyone's doing. It's bitching and moaning. This is this is this, and oh, I'm gonna block this, and oh, we gotta stop this and that. And I'm like, nothing is moving forward at all on any level if everyone is just like. I, I, have a, I, have a, I had a roommate up until about a week ago, and uh, he and I would fight all the time about stuff. But one of the things that he always used to say to me, and it was really important for during this last election, how I perceived things is he goes, look, man, whoever wins this election, my life doesn't really change. Exactly. And he goes, it, I'm still going to have to go to work the next day. I'm still going to have to pay taxes. He goes, and, and at the end of the day, what do I care the difference between 15 cents and 50 and my paycheck? You know, it's, it's, he really made that argument, and it's true. We read all this stuff, we follow all of these news stories, but how much does it actually affect your daily life? Have you, uh, do you ever listen to Bill Burr? I have, yes. Monday morning? And he literally says that, like, when was the last time, you know, like, uh, President Obama was at your house for dinner? Like, like yeah. really, like, what, uh, I, and then, because he was talking about the people crying on the streets when he came back from wherever he was, mm-hmm. and he was just like, really, people, like, you know, I, I didn't vote for him, but, like, you know, you know, everybody just get it together. Yeah, um, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of validity in that opinion. Now, the thing that I differ on Bill Burr and, and others like him is, they also say some of this stuff isn't important because they don't want to deal with thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And there's right. an, and, and I'm not saying, listen, I, Bill Burr is a amazing comedian and one of the, and probably like top five podcasters in the world and top five comedians in the world. But because he's a comedian, he, his first instinct is punchline mm, of course. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, and that's rightfully so, but there comes a point where that depends on what do you want to be? So Bill Burr is a comedian, so he's going to he's trying to make you laugh before he's trying to make you do anything else, which is great, and we need that. I don't think of myself as a comedian when I'm doing my show. I think of right. myself... It's a totally different, yeah. In a weird way, as like a half-assed comic educator, and, and, mm-hmm. and I don't... People watching understand I'm not some egotistical maniac. All I'm saying is, is I take the time to do the reading. And what I try to tell people on my show, and what I... And you said you've listened a couple times... It is, we have to account for people not always changing at the speed that you'd like. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a show that got a lot of traction online, and part of it was because I, I'm a lefty. I'm as far left as they come without being an actual socialist. I believe, I was a big Bernie Sanders supporter. Yeah. I love that man, and, and, I, and I loved Barack Obama, but... Being a leftist doesn't mean that I follow what they say blindly. And we have to be open to the idea that people are not always going to accept your ideas on face value. 
the show that I got in the biggest argument with my partner, AJ Signeri. He's a wonderful dude. You should follow him on Facebook. Um, he and I were talking, and we started talking about transgender rights and this issue that comes out with the transgender bathroom bill. And while I do absolutely think it's ridiculous that you're going to check for birth certificates at a damn stall and every cop tells you that it doesn't make sense, you have to allow... You see the cop that's willing to do... Or who's going to actually do Damn that. right. But there's also this. You have to understand that there's a reason why all things happen. Why does this bathroom bill become such a deal? Because put yourself in the shoes of a 55-year-old man who lives in rural South Carolina or North Carolina who's never, to his knowledge, met a transsexual, transgender, exactly. or a gay person and doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about. So they hear, well, you're going to let men in women's clothing go into the girls' bathroom. They get afraid of that. And it's understandable. They haven't been exposed to what we've been exposed to in, the, in a major city where people walk around doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I was going to say, it's much different you know, living in the... Chicago, you know. Where you can see a guy walking naked down the street covered in green jello on a Tuesday. And nobody at four. looks twice. <laughs> and nobody cares because they're like, that's a person that you should stay away from. Which, on the transgender bathroom thing, the point we arrived at on our show after a long conversation was let's be honest, folks, I don't care what sexual orientation or tra- gender you feel yourself is. Let's just all agree on this. If a stranger speaks to you in a public bathroom, that's a crazy person and you should probably, probably. leave. <laughs> I don't care. Just do your business and go. Yeah, I don't care who it is. Just if a stranger talks to you in a bathroom, get the hell out of the bathroom. Yes. Because that's just uncomfortable for everybody involved. Like, here's a thing that women don't know. Do you know about men's men's room etiquette? No. Okay. Men's room etiquette is this: if three men walk into a public bathroom, like let's say at a large sporting facility, and there are, I said three, so let's say there are seven urinals. Okay, it is incumbent on those three men to make sure that there is at least one urinal between them and the other guy. Really? If there isn't, that's weird. It's a like weird thing to do. Yeah. If you're alone in a men's bathroom standing on a urinal and there's five urinals and somebody comes in and walks towards you and stands at the urinal next to you, that's a crazy person. Get the hell out of there. I, it doesn't matter. So how often does that happen? Does it happen a lot? Not, no, that's why it's rare. It's, it's it a is, weird thing. Okay. You know? You've you got to be ready for it, though. It's, it happens a lot at the Sox games and the bullpen bar, which I guess says something about the White Sox bullpen bar. Probably. <laughs> uh, you know, have you, have you ever gone, you know, how much have you gone abroad? Uh, I've been to Greece, uh, Canada. I think that's it. So, like, but never... England, I, I, I would. No. And this was like ten years ago, before any of this kind of talk. Um, and uh, I'm not kidding. It wasn't just like one, you know, very like you, you know, over the top punk rock bar or something. Like this was pretty typical. Um, where like we would go to different little clubs or bars, definitely like targeting like the young, like clubby kind of scene or whatever. But um, not a neighborhood pub, but. And literally, you go into the washroom, and a couple of these places, it was a hole in the ground. There was no stall or urinal or anything. It was a hole, and it did everybody. Just there was no, there was no differentiating. There was no women's. There was no men. Yeah. Everybody just went to the same bathroom. 
And, and nobody had any problems. This was like Other than the normal problems ago. of people doing way too much cocaine in a club bathroom. Right. I mean, and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. And uh, that, I, it's just, it kind of, it's just, it's interesting to me. Because I'm like, this was so long ago. Like, well, but you gotta, and I wonder if they're like questioning it now. Like, are they taking a look at it? Like, oh, well, do we need that? You know what I mean? No, like, it's, it's different. It's, it's always, like, again, like I said it before, there's a reason for everything. It's always important to remember this fundamental thing about the United States of America. Or a Puritan country. That's how we got started. Mm-hmm. So we have a shame about ourselves that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have, especially Western Europe, where we let our, our forefathers left Western Europe because they were feeling that the culture was too open. So they came here, and they and at our core, we were founded on a repressive idea. Not to mention we had slavery when we started. Well, yeah. So, but there's a great amount of public shame in how we deal with sexuality, how we deal with female empowerment. And that those are issues or that... We're trying to control how people feel about it because... Right. You know, it's like you can't really... It's always, These things have always been there. Exactly. And, always. And there's... But, but you say that, but it's actually... It's interesting. I'll give you an example of something that hasn't been there. Gay rights is a fundamentally new idea based on the scheme of time. If you look at the Civil Rights Movement, it starts realistically in 1865 with Reconstruction, pushes through the Jim Crow era. You get basically up to the early 1920s, World War I, World War II, which fundamentally changes Americans' perceptions of African Americans because they serve in both of those wars and they do so with distinction, right. which leads to the birth of the modern Civil Rights Movement that we think of with Martin Luther King and Medgar Evers and all that in the South. But that's, you know, 120 years worth of progress that it took to get us to where we're at now, where we still have a lot of civil rights issues. Black Lives Matter is not a fake thing. Like, that's that's a, a real movement that still needs to happen. And you look at gay rights. I grew up, and I say this all the time, in the, in the 80s and 90s in a small North Shore town. I played a game, rightly or wrongly, it was called Smear the Queer. You had a guy with a football, you ran after him, and you tried to tackle him. Which yep. is also, let's get into the weirdly homosexual overtones of the games called Smear the Queer, yet all the men try to tackle him simultaneously. <laughs> but that's neither here, neither here nor there. You're right. But gay rights have come a long way very quickly. And so you have a culture of people out there who are, in my opinion, rather fairly going, hold up, let me catch my breath here. Like, we've just gotten to the point where it's constitutionally okay for gays to get married, and now you're telling me that I have to let people who I think of as having a mental disorder. Now, transgender is not that, but there are people who perceive it that. that way, yeah. And you have and to you account can fix for it. this or something. Right, yes. and you've got to account for that. It's, I heard somebody say this once. I think it was in, actually it was last night. I watched Louis C.K.'s new stand up special, and he made a great point in it. And he said, Look, look at abortion. He goes, do I believe in a woman's right to choose? Absolutely I do. But if you don't believe in that, then you have to believe that what's going on in an abortion clinic is that they're murdering babies. And if you might not think that, I might not think that, and I don't, but you have there to... There are account- people that do. That, that's what they believe. They believe that in an abortion clinic, innocent children are being killed. And until you can convince them of otherwise, you have to account for their beliefs in any decisions that you make. Does that mean that Planned Parenthood should be defunded? Absolutely not. That's an important organization that's done more for women's rights and honestly for helping people become educated on having sex safe, safely in yeah, the age, say, like, in the age world. Yeah, if you that, then we're, we're talking about a whole different bunch. You know what I mean? There's like a whole bunch of things 
hospital surface as well, a result of that, and which it was that way. Uh, I'm trying to think when when uh, you probably know what years when like abortion became like the topic. Well, it was it, you're talking about when Roe v. Wade became a part, or when yeah. it became politically active now, because those are two questions. Roe v. Wade was in the late '60s, I yeah. want to say, early '70s. I might be wrong about that. But the, what we think of as the modern abortion crisis comes out of the 1994 congressional okay, congressional ca- say, caucus. It's more recent. Right, that was run by Newt Gingrich. Um, right. That's where he basically comes from. He stood in opposition to Bill Clinton, and they used con- conservative Christians to bolster their Republican base because they had lost the Democratic working class. That's mm-hmm. the class that Trump won over in the last election. The same tr- group that Bill Clinton got a. That got Bill Clinton elected is the same group that elected Donald Trump. It's always important to remember I know. that. I know. Um, but he, uh, I was going to say, like they didn't, they didn't really leave us with much options, you know. Yeah, like, no, it, it was like hard to vote because it was kind of like. Well, like, it's it's hard. It was harder to vote in this election, but at the end of the day. I, and, and, and I've said this a lot on my show, Hillary Clinton has done nothing wrong. Now, you can infer, you can guess, you can make assumptions based on data that has presented itself, but under there are two possibilities. One, Hillary Clinton is the greatest criminal in the history of the world who has gotten away with the greatest crimes of all time, which is very difficult to believe based on the fact that her husband got caught having a blowjob in the Oval Office. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, they couldn't even do that correctly. So I find it hard to believe that they're super criminals. Yeah, or yeah. the Republican Congress is the most inept organization in the history of the world because this clearly guilty woman got away scot-free eight times. So which is it? It can't be anything other than that. And you go back, and, and that's what Louis C.K. is saying about the abortion thing, too, is if you, if you, if you account for what people believe, then you can have reasonable discussions. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's making a joke. But that's, like, what I infer from the, the uh, thing. It, it's, it, everything is connected, and everything that we do has a reason. The best examples is stuff, you know, it's little stuff. Like, I'm, I'm Greek, so when my grandmother and grandfather both died, we threw wheat germ on the grave, right? It's a Greek tradition. Do you know why we do it? Mm-mm. It's very simple. Back in the old days, you wanted to accelerate the decomposition of bodies in a grave. So you threw plant life on top of it, bacteria on top of it, that would accelerate the decay of the body underneath and would allow for the ground to grow faster on top so that you could grow the grass on top of the recently disturbed earth. That's the idea of throwing that on a grape. It goes back thousands of years. There's stuff like that. Like Look at the, the Torah and look at why you don't eat uh, meat on Fridays. It's because meat was generally butchered on Mondays. Right, there's a good, like you're saying, like um, there's a reason for everything. There's a reason for everything. Yeah. And, um, and you know, even you know, some of the stories in the Bible and stuff, like they're, they're it's pretty... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, you, we can look at the Bible like this. Do you know when the, the Bible was not written in the year zero? The Bible was written in the year... 350 AD by a conclave of Roman clerics who decided on which four gospels to use. There were were 13 disciples. They all wrote gospels, but only four got used. And And they chose the four that celebrated the divinity of Christ and cut the ones that questioned whether or not he was human. And that's important because you have those four books, but if you find the other gospels, they say different, which is true, which is, which is not. Again, there's a reason for everything. Yeah. 
and I have a nerd brain that's chock full of all the information that I've ever come across because I have a problem. <laughs> well, we need people like you that kind of problem. It's nice to be it's nice to be needed. <laughs> But, <laughs> so, um, so how did you find me anyway? Uh, you actually sent me, you followed me on Twitter, and I have a policy that if, and because I don't have that many Twitter followers, I'm still at the point where if somebody new follows me, I see it, and, like, Ooh. and I like to message people and thank them, because it's important. It's also called just being okay, polite. Okay, so I have a question about that. Is that, like... Okay, so is that protocol? You're physically doing that yourself, or is that... No, it's I, protocol. If somebody follows you on Twitter, you follow you, you should follow, follow them back, especially people who are doing what... To anybody out there who's trying to start a podcast or a YouTube show or anything, the number one but, rule is if somebody follows you, follow them back. Right, which I do, but I, but I often get a message like, thanks for following me, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Is that automated? No. Or are those people no. actually no, doing that's, that? No, that's, that's somebody taking the time to message you back. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, I was looking all through my settings trying to figure out, how do I set that up? Like, mm -hmm. you know, this is, it's rude. You know, like, I don't... No, it's honestly... So when you some, do it. Yeah, okay. Somebody asks you, when somebody follows you, you respond and you, and you try to do the same. It's a way to pay it forward because okay. you also never know, like, if you develop a network of people, you never know. One week, one guy's Twitter might be, or one woman's Twitter might become, and honestly, between the two of us... Because you're an attractive woman, you're more likely to explode over Twitter than I am. <laughs> but that's honestly the case. Like, you, you have... Well, but you just, like, totally admitted you hate the Cubs. Yeah. So, I think you might... You got a little, you got a little chance there. But, I, again, but the White Sox fans will know. And let me make this abundantly <laughs> clear. I do hate the Cubs, but I don't really hate the Cubs, and I don't really hate Cubs fans. I'm not some emotional moron. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just... There's nothing wrong with a little fake hatred every now and then. Gotcha. And, and let's, let's have fun with it. It's more fun for me. What's, what's more fun? That I, during the Cubs World Series run, suddenly become like supportive of the idea of them winning? Or is it more fun to my friends if I'm miserable yeah. and I'm just constantly <laughs> complaining? That's yeah. more fun. Than me just like, okay, yeah, whatever. No, let's make this special. Let's make it an event. Let's give people an excuse to talk smack to me and be mean about it. Because yeah. it's it's more entertaining that way. I was going to say, it makes for a better podcast. It makes for, but it also makes for a better life. It's 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 it's, it, it's more fun to have rivalries. And my best, one of my best friends is a guy, and I won't say, it, well, his real name is whatever, but everybody calls him Goofy. And he's a really intelligent dude. He's got a very successful business. He owns a bunch of cell phone stores. But we all call him Goofy because he does goofy things. But he is a diehard Cubs fan. I am a diehard White Sox fan. He is he's one like of, one of your best friends. He's one of my best friends. I love the dude to death. And he and I, every year, have a $50 bet over who will have the better record, the Cubs or the White Sox. And without fail, no one has ever collected. No right. one has ever been like, oh, you owe me $50. Oh, yeah, yeah. You gotta, I, think, I think in the first two years we traded money back and forth. But other than that, it's like never been an issue. It's more about talking smack. Yeah. And he calls me whenever, like all last season, he'd call me once a week and just literally read me the highlights of the Cubs season. Like he would just go like, by the way, this week, you know, Jake Arrieta had another great game. Did you see it? And I'm like, no, I didn't see it. I was watching my White Sox get killed for the 900th time. Yeah. Like it's, it's fun. It's more fun to have that. And that gets into the, you know, other stuff too. It's like, 
it's fun. Why not have fun with it? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with hating the other team. As long as you don't actually hate them. Right. And, and if you can't draw that line, then you're an idiot. Exactly. The people that are... Oh yeah. God. Like, like literally, I remember. Remember that year that the Cubs almost won. Yeah, in 0-3, the greatest, yeah, yeah, the greatest yeah. baseball season of all time. It's even better than when the White Sox won it. Yeah, I legitimately so, believe that. By the way, Cubs fans out there, I I enjoyed 2003 more than I enjoyed 2005. Yeah. Well, I remember coming to work the next day, and literally, like, my manager was just like, couldn't stop for you know, like, getting teared up. I'm like. Are you serious? Like, you have children. Like, what are you crying about a baseball game for? But, you know, I, mean, I get it. I, and, and I'm sure uh, a million people, uh, if they were following this, would have their... Oh, it is, our, it is in the top five of nights of my life is game six of the, 19, of the 2003 NLCS. It is in the top... It is, it is definitely one of my favorite moments of my life. I was working at a bar. The owner was a diehard Cubs fan. We had bet $50 during the previous series that the Cubs would lose to the Braves. The Cubs had won. They let me let it ride on the Dodgers. It was a $100 bet to me, $50 to him. And the whole joke was that if I lost the bet, that was basically a Saturday shift was the 100 bucks, right? So I basically worked a day for free if, if I lost. And it's game six, and the ball goes up to uh, left center field. Left left field up on up under the wall. Bartman does his thing. Moises Alou loses his goddamn mind, and Dusty Baker doesn't do anything about it. And this is, by the way, I know you're not a sports fan, but the baseball nerds will eat this up. And everyone loses their damn mind. And I jumped up on a table in the bar, pointed at my boss, and went, "That's it. That's the moment they lose." And I'm not making that up. I legitimately called it. He's like, what are you talking about? It's a routine fly ball. I said, everyone's going to flip out. Everyone in the stadium started booing. The next play, the ball goes through Gonzalez's legs. They get two men on, then the home run. And I sat there for the next hour at my boss's desk with my hand under my chin staring at his face. And he kept asking me to leave, and I just kept saying, no, I'm going to watch you suffer the rest of this game. And he totally did. And then I came in on my day off for Game 7 just to celebrate the fact that they had lost and rub it in my boss's face. Oh. I'm an entertainer. I like to I like to make things bigger than they are. Oh, that's funny. Um, but to my credit, had they started to win game 7, I would have sat there. I'd have taken it. I like I it's that's the that's the other side of it. If you're going to be like me, if you're going to be the guy to sit there and celebrate everything, you've got to dish it. You better be I was at a party when the Cubs won the World Series. I was at a party when it happened. And everyone just laughed in my face. Because I cried, but not for happiness. Times I have dumped that bike. And been like, screwed. Like, you know, like, because I can't, I, I, I just can't pick it up. It's physically impossible. And, like, literally, it wasn't even a matter of, like, standing there flagging people down. It was, like, the second I dropped it, somebody was like, Arsh! Bike up, yeah. ready to go. Yeah, which is which, which is what you hope for, and it's it's one of the reasons I do the show that I do is to is to remind people that it's not the world that we live in because of the internet, because of how much the news is constantly changing. It's very easy to feel down, 
and to think that the world is coming apart at the seams. When the truth is, it really isn't. There is no... Not any more than it was. Look, like, there's no time yeah. in human history you'd rather be alive right now based Thank on you. everything else. Yes. You know, like, I, I joke with people all the time, like, oh, if I had time travel, I'd go back in time to medieval times. With the, I said, yeah, but, no, a, sliver, but no. a sliver would kill you. Like, yeah, like a sliver would yeah. kill you. So, or a toothache. Right, means you're going to die and say, oh, I've got a toothache. Oh, well, goodbye, Mom and Dad. I'll be dead in three months. Like... That's yeah. what the world used to be. Now, you know, we, we, barring, you know, genetic diseases or, you know, some form of illness, most people are going to live to be 80 who are alive right now. You know, that's, that's an amazing thing. And there are, it's all connected, there are upsides and downsides to that. The upside is people live longer. The downside is people living longer means they need to use stuff more than they ever used to. So, and they use it longer. So when you hear people talking about healthcare, when you hear people talking about immigration, there are real concerns that need to be addressed in those conversations. Now you got to separate the difference between the racism and the prejudice versus what's practical. But but these things matter, and that's and what I try to do on the show that I do is is let's take a second, let's really let's apply our thinking to what we're talking about. Let's use. I don't want to call it common sense because it's not common sense. You have to be informed to be able to talk intelligently, speak intelligently about topics. So if a big thing on our show, and AJ and I talk about it all the time, is never be afraid to admit your ignorance. That's important. Mm -hmm. If you don't know something, never be afraid to say, I don't know. It's actually, doing that, it's actually kind of almost like a weapon. Yeah. Because when people can be, like, trying to discredit you or, you know, uh, especially, like, if you're trying to learn a skill, like hair or whether it's film, hair, Mm. whatever it is, um, you know, putting, you know, on, like, some kind of fake, you know, pretending you know, just, yeah. Well, here, let me give you you an example. If if, if I were to say to you that one of the biggest issues facing America right now economically is corporate tax loopholes. Okay, I say that. And it's, a, and it's something that a lot of politicians will say. But do you know what that means? And it's okay that you don't, but you don't, right? Mm-hmm. But why would you? You you cut hair, you work, you live your life, you do your stuff. It's not, it's not, it doesn't affect your life to know that either way. Mm-hmm. But it's an important issue because in the end, it affects how much tax revenue the state is going to need from your small business. And I do understand that aspect of it. I just don't understand how those dots are connected. Right, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's what we try yeah. to do is we try to let people know that when we're talking about illegal immigration, we're also talking about, we're not just talking about jobs, we're also talking about healthcare, we're talking about clean water, we're talking about national, national resources. You know, there are, there are things that come about from, you know, look, if you have, if a million illegal immigrants came over the border tomorrow, that would destroy the economy. So when you have Democrats screaming that we can't do anything, you know, what we need is responsible reform. A Republican idea that I agree with is deregulation in some areas. There are too many regulations that don't work. Get rid of them if they don't work. That's fine. The problem is is that they go too far, and they have a company like BP Oil who destroys the Gulf Coast, and everyone flips out on that, but what nobody really knows is that three months earlier they'd had a refinery fire in Dallas, and a year before that they'd had a refinery fire in, a, in Alaska. All from the same issue, from the fact that the government inspectors are understaffed and not able to properly patrol the pipelines, 
and, and detect the corrosion. And that comes out of the government budget that came out three years ago that Paul Ryan fought for because he fought for the fact that the EPA doesn't need as much money. So they cut the regulations, they cut their funding, and you end up, you know, with beat with uh, yeah. what the hell is it called? Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. Like that's that's connecting it. So mm-hmm. it it all functions into everything else. It's it's and it's important in today's world to learn that. Yep. I'm gonna stop talking for a minute because I can't stop moving my head when I talk. <laughs> You're fine now. I was just right here at like yeah. the at just the point that any little movements can kind of you know shift the line a little bit. But you're good. You're fine. Another example of this, you know, you can you can look at it in situations across the country where how are the dots connected? How do things work? Um, you look at Flint, Michigan, which is that uh, town up, and it's been basically forgotten now after the election. But you have a town up in Michigan. It's just outside of Detroit where the water is so bad that kids can't shower in it. They can't drink it. It has lead, which is destroying their brains. They've experienced an actual IQ decline across you know the entire community as a result of actual lead poisoning and you want to look at how something like that can happen in america it's you can look at other companies and figure it you can look at the the way america runs and figure it out a lot of it has to do with the fact that no one is accountable on a corporate level anymore and here this is what this is what i do on my show and i'll explain it to you in a way that you'll love it you call an 800 number let's say your internet goes out okay you call comcast or team mobile or whoever's responsible for your internet and you call them and you talk to a rep and it goes okay and they tell you that they'll call you back so somebody calls you back then that person transfers you then that person transfers you and finally you're talking to technical services and they're asking you a bunch of questions that you may or may not be able to answer all right but you start to get frustrated you start to go look i've been on the phone and people who are listening to this you this is a sentence we've all said i've been on the phone For 45 minutes, I'm tired of talking to six different people. I don't think this is that big. Or or, or, give me a human. Right. And and I just want to solve this very simple problem. And they go, well, sir, there's no need to take that tone of voice. It's not my fault. And you go, I know, okay, I know that it's not your fault, but it's not the guy's fault before you or the guy before you or the woman before that or the person before that. At some point, can someone please just be accountable for the fact that I can't download my weird ass porn today? <laughs> like, I listen, it's been three days and I haven't jerked off to anything strange. Okay, I've been looking at a Playboy like a goddamn Neanderthal and I need my internet to work. And then they go, well, sir, there's no need to take that tone of voice. If you continue to do that, I'm going to hang up. What would be the difference between you hanging up and me just talking to you like this? Please explain how I'm going to get anything solved. Okay, that's... But what's happened is all those corporations, and the government is like this too, is full of people who can say, not me. Not me directly. It's not my fault. And it's supposed to stop at a certain point. Uh, Lyndon Johnson famously, who was the former president of the United States, famously had a thing on his desk that said, the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, you know, if something is wrong with government, at the end of the day, the president accepts responsibility for what's wrong with it. I laugh because of who's president now. Um, right. But realistically, that's how it's supposed to work. So the governor of Michigan is aware of the situation in Flint, Michigan, and does nothing to prevent it, at which point it goes it goes national. And no one is held accountable. No one has gone to jail as a result of this. And in the meantime, people have died. And Do you we, know what's causing Yeah, the, the corrosion in the pipes. Um, you, you're dealing with an old pipe system. So what had happened was is for 
most of Flint, Michigan's history, it had gotten water from Detroit's main water supply, okay, which draws from the lake. Um, I think that's Lake Superior up there. I don't know, but that's the, I think that's the one that borders Detroit. So they got their water from Lake Superior, which ran through the Detroit water system and then through a subpipe that ran to Flint, Michigan. Detroit raised the rate of water to Flint. They wanted to charge the town more. The town, in an effort to try to save money, switched their water source. A private company came in, offered to move their water source to the Kalamazoo River. The Kalamazoo River was a dumping site for 50 years for all of the manufacturing in Michigan. So this is a basically a poisoned river. Now, the idea was that they knew that the water was bad and that they were going to put in a water plant that was going to make the water safe to drink, and they did it. But what ended up happening is, is one of the chemicals they used in the drinking water to make it safe, which is a thing, don't freak out, they add chemicals to your water all the time to make it safe when it comes from large bodies of water. They put in chlorine, they put in fluoride, mm-hmm. almost non-existent amounts. But what happened is, is because the pH level of the water rose, mm-hmm. and it was through an old pipe system, the... The, the, uh, the, the water corroded the inside of the pipes, which caused the pipes inside the homes yeah. to, to corrode, which let the lead of the pipes out into the water, Yeah, which is why it's now poison. Yeah. And that all stems from a lack of accountability at a governmental level. And that exists in every form of government in the United States right now. And one of the reasons I was such a big Obama supporter is he did what I always thought of as the most important thing a president can do. When something is really not right, he took responsibility for it. And, and that's all I ask of a leader. Be, I will celebrate your successes, but be accountable for your defeats. And when you look at how we are right now, one of the reasons my show's morphed into a political show is no one's held accountable anymore. And we like to, we like to educate. We like to let people think about kindness and, like, and think about reason but also put logic into your brain and, and apply it to stuff. It goes back to what we started the show, your show with here, with the transgender thing. Put yourself in the shoes of a 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old, 90-year-old person who's never had to deal with it. And ask yourself if you can reasonably expect that person to accept everything on spec. Because I, you, know, you have questions. There's nothing wrong with questions. There's nothing wrong with admitting you don't know. But as a consequence of that, if you're the person answering the question of what they don't know, you've got to be patient and give them time to absorb and analyze the information in their own way. Filter it through their own head. Or accept that they're never going to. And just... But I don't accept that. That's, that's part of my show. I don't accept that people will never change. I believe that everyone could change because I've changed. when well, I was. yeah. I, I just mean that like it, it, you can't... Um... You know, if there's a certain group of people, like, say, like, extreme, you know, wh- whether it be, Christ- you know, Christian or whatever. Well, let's go extreme. Let's say the Klan, right? Yeah. But there are Reformed Klan members. There are people who were raised in a family that supported the Klan their entire life, they and they eventually leave the Klan, and they go on to lead lives, and, and where they are anti-racist as hell. You've also got people, I'm sure who grew up, you know, as children whose parents marched in the civil rights and as a direct response of hating their parents, you know, became clan members. That, you, you, you have to account for the fact that the, every... I hate the idea that, you know, well, we are all beautiful snowflakes and we are all wonderful creatures. Like, that's new age liberal shit that bugs the crap out of me. But right. we are all coming at things from our own experiences. And you... 
have to be accountable for that. I tell people all the time, like, I know that you can change the language you use because it was very conscious of me to stop saying the phrase, it's gay, mm-hmm. to mean something is silly yeah. or stupid. When I was a kid, that if was. somebody did something stupid, you went, dude, that's gay. Mm-hmm. That exact expression, dude, that's gay. And that was just kind of like... And it was accepted. That's what yep. you said. And to this day, if something silly or stupid happens around me, I might accidentally slip and go, dude, that's gay. Yeah, like you, yeah. But it's not, it's not like I'm saying homosexuals are bad or that it's bad to be gay. When I was a kid, I associated the feeling of that's silly and stupid with the words, that's gay. In my head, that's what those words are with. Now, I'm older and I've learned to stop doing it, but you also need to account for the fact that people do that. And when somebody says something stupid, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. You know, there are examples where that's not the case. You can be Mel Gibson and drunkenly screaming on the street for 45 minutes and telling people that the Jews are trying to kill you. And at some point you go, all right, dude, like, you you, you should have come. (laughs) Well, look, if he'd gotten out of the car screaming for three minutes, I'd have let it slide. Because, look, you got, you know, you're having a bad night. People say stupid shit. But when it goes on that long, these are clearly some deep held beliefs that you've got. And all it's going to take is 15 years and one Oscar nomination and you'll be fine. Yeah, right. Because apparently that's that's the line on anti-Semitism. It's 15 years and an Oscar nomination. That's what we learned this year. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, I do. The Oscars? With, about, well, you got well, nominated for Best Director. I don't know specifically. Yeah, so Mel Gibson, and, no. Mel Gibson got nominated. I'm blatantly stealing a Jimmy Kimmel joke, but it's like the, the idea was that after everything that happened to Mel Gibson, we're still... Like, all it took was, you know, a few years and some apologies and one really good movie and Mel Gibson's back in Hollywood's good graces. What, bad guy? What? Bad guy? Mel Gibson? He can't change? No, he can change. He absolutely can change. But Mel Gibson can change. He absolutely could. But at the same time, you know, it's not like, I, I, I don't know, it just it feels weird to have a guy celebrated like that on a stage like that. You know, it's just, you, you've got to... You know, look, imagine that you're somebody who was... Really, I, I haven't watched a Mel Gibson movie since the night that he all that happened. And it's not because Mel Gibson doesn't make great movies. I mean, Braveheart is one of the greatest movies ever made. I love the Lethal Weapon movies. But I also feel uncomfortable when I watch a Mel Gibson movie because I can't so, help but think about what he did. Yeah, but what about... Okay, so like that Woody Allen. Woody, because I've I never... I have no genius. But, but but he also married his stepdaughter, which know, is it's, fucked it's, up. It is, it is. But like, I still have to admit, like, I'm not like, I like, I like, I like, I separate the two, like somehow, like whether it's right or wrong, I'm able to look at it like this is a Woody Allen as an artist, because you know what? If we like seriously, like, we, I studied music for most of my life until yeah, I yeah, most musicians are, are bad people. No, no, <laughs> at no, least at that see, level. Some of the most uh, Mozart, for example, the you know the the one that everybody knows, um, was pretty bad shit crazy, you know, and and then did some pretty wild stuff. But um, no, look at another example. Like when I was in when I was in high school, I knew I knew a girl who referred to me all the time, or not referred to me, referred to. Jim Morrison as her soulmate. She used to say that all the time in school. She would wear. He gym. was Looney Tunes, but, but here, no. Listen, but here's the way I would always finish it with her. With her is, I go. So let me get this straight. Jim Morrison is your soulmate. Yeah. So that guy is your soulmate. Sure, his music speaks to me like it speaks to no one else. I'm not kidding. That this was a girl I knew, and I went. All right. To be clear, 
this guy, Jim Morrison, beat his wife mercilessly, was addicted to every barbiturate known to man, and died in a bathtub full of his own shit. This is the dude that you consider your soulmate. There is, but there, there, there is more to it. But I, I do think he, uh, you know, whether it's bipolar or what, but he had some serious, like... Right, and there's nothing wrong with saying the artist is the art that the artist made. What about Roman Polanski? <laughs> Uh, there's something to say about an artist you know the art the artist has made versus the person but it's also art is about what you feel when you experience it right like that's what art is for Mm -hmm. and when I experience a Mel Gibson movie or a Jim Morrison song or I watch um, my best example in sports is I I used to play a game when Ben Roethlisberger played called Ben Roethlisberger raped a man or raped a man raped a woman and although who knows maybe he goes that way but Ben Roethlisberger raped two women in, and it's like was settled out of court, but supposedly raped two women in a bathroom, like on separate occasions. Like, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to ignore that when I play. You got a director like Roman Polanski who hasn't been hasn't been allowed to come back to the United States for 15 years because he's waiting for rape charges. Same thing applies to Julian Assange. There comes a point where you got to go. What am I comfortable doing? And celebrating when I know about what with what I know about the artist, and I'll give you the most look. I can give you the most painful example of my of my recent life. I love the Blackhawks. I will tell you my first memory in life. This is not bullshit. My first memory is going to a Blackhawks game with my dad. Mm-hmm. We went to the Chicago Stadium. I was maybe four or five. He walked me up the old stairs. This is back when you could smoke inside. And I remember that I was at people's like hip knee level and I would walk past people's cigars and we went to a Hawks game and it was loud and it was great. And so I love the Blackhawks. It's like my, it's mm-hmm. baseball is my favorite sport, but my favorite team is probably the Blackhawks. And last year when the story broke about Patrick Kane and the alleged rape, and I do say alleged, you know, I didn't watch the Hawks last year. The entire season. I watched one game. It was the outdoor game. um, And I felt uncomfortable doing that. I watched a little bit of the playoffs and I didn't enjoy it. I felt icky. Because I felt that Patrick Kane had probably raped that woman. And I still do. But then it became a question to me of, am I really going to let this piece of shit destroy this thing that's going to mean something much more to me after he's not a Blackhawk than it ever meant to him, than it ever will? You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he doesn't care that he's a Blackhawk. He cares that he's in the NHL. Like, the Blackhawks have been my father's and my team my entire life. And I love them. Like, I've, I, when people say this all the time, but I, do, I did go to games when they were bad. Like, really bad. And I went to games where they would tell you that there were 1,500 people in the stadium. And if there were 50, I, I would, wouldn't believe you. Like, it was, it was bad. I watched teams play that lost... 100 games a year and had no chance of doing anything. And then to have this dude who, honestly, I had invested emotional weight into in Patrick Kane. Like, I have a, I'm, a, I'm a big gamer. And I play NHL on the Xbox. And when I would play hockey, I would deliberately try to score every goal with Patrick Kane. Even in my late 20s, I would do this. Because it was just more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, his act, that accusation of, from his behavior took that away from me and so it goes back again to that same question Roman Polanski you know Mel Gibson any of those people who've gone through this controversy where do you draw the line and what are you comfortable accepting for your entertainment 
You know? Yeah. It's one of the reasons I love pro wrestling. Because if a dude does something really bad in pro wrestling, he never wrestles again. Like, it's that simple. Yeah. Because it's controlled by a maniac, so. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. And it, it applies to most, you yeah. know, like most of, you know, people that I admire or look after. But, you know, like, there's certain people that are on such a level that it's like you can't deny the genius behind it. So, but, grant you, it was a very long time before I watched a Woody Alley, Woody, Woody, Woody Allen, anything. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, that was just a, like, example. The first thing that kind of came to my head. No, I get it. It's, 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 it's something that pops in there. It's fine. It's just... I was so disappointed when all this stuff was going on. I'm like, no, really? No. You know, like, because, like, it's, you know, you, you want them to be great. You want them to be good mm-hmm. people. You want to, you know what I mean? You want to like the people that you that you enjoy. That's, you know, that, that's important. It's like when you watch a TV show and it's important to you that the actors get along. You know, mm-hmm. like, you want them to be friends in real life. When you find out that they're not, it, like, weirdly like changes weird, the yeah, show. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic. It's true. Cut. Yeah. His, uh, his thing this thing's about. been off for like, <laughs> <laughs> can you just like can you put that on? I'll count you down again, but uh yeah. It's Thank uh, you. it's not like oh all I do. If you could cut the part where my gut is showing, that would be great. That I absolutely <laughs> will. I will. I want right. you to look the best. Really, I do. And and I already know, like in your head you're probably like, Oh no. <laughs> Bring me up better. <laughs> Do you, you want to go to the bathroom? Go. Yeah, bathroom? Yeah, I did, and I didn't flush yet. Actually, I should so try to just try to Yeah, yeah, flush go for it. I, I'm going to see if I can. kind of budge here in this shining moment. Right? 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 I'll just be brief. But this is like one of the most amazing experiences I've ever witnessed. Seriously? You don't even know. You're amazing, man. Oh, thank you. You are so amazing, and I am so honored to be witnessing this right now. No, seriously. You don't even know how many times Jason and I were usually like, this is like a perfect movie. By being who you are, yeah. you affirm it for other people that feel what you feel, but maybe are right. We're talking about yeah. yeah all right. So guys, like, we, we right. can get. A, so maybe maybe uh, you guys can. Well, you want to get into the tr- you want to get into the trumpet? Absolutely not. No, I want to get involved. I want to talk about like I want to merge what you do, which is usually like political stuff, and then what we do. Um, and bring that back around. Um, and so we had talked, and so I was like, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Well, anybody on Twitter that we should worry about? Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Keep it natural. But um, if we can uh, roll it back to, like, what you do, you know, and what you talk about, and okay. what, what's about you, because that's what it really is. And Marine's usually just, like, the one that, like, follow and guide and everything. Okay. Um, also, I feel like there was something else. Oh, Marine, the- uh, for you. Um, I'm having a hard time getting some good shots because you're on this side right now. How much longer you're on this side? Okay, that's what I, I was trying to kind of hustle through it a little bit. If there's any way you can just like you know extend your arms and try to do it that way, because I'm getting your back. Hold on, just give me back well, just, let her, just, let, just let her just let her finish the, the yeah, side. Yeah, say can... no. There's really not because then. Oh, okay. I mean, so you want to... <laughs> okay, great, great. Because I was just it's all about it. Grow, it it grows so fast; it doesn't matter. Yeah, your hair's looking. Oh, I have fantastic. Oh this cut is looking awesome. Man. I also have wonderfully, really I have wonderfully right soft hair. You are getting that nice uh, city boy look right now with the shaved head. Look, like. It's funny because after Marie left, uh, uh, we 
exactly what I wanted and again it's you know I've had the same haircut for so long it doesn't really well it, you were saying how you didn't want to like do super short and I, I did take it pretty short around here but like I kind of wanted to do like that tight no I get it it's sort of like I have an odd shaped head it's fine no you got the curl I didn't want to cut all that curl off that's for sure so. everybody who's ever done my hair says that they, they, they always like my hair and I know that I have wonderfully soft hair I condition once a month because you that's all oh yeah Wait, wait, it is. It is without a doubt. How often are you shampooing though? Every day. So you should. You should be doing the opposite. You should be conditioning every day, shampooing. Maybe. Whose hair is soft? Whose isn't? Well. No, I'm just you're the expert. I just true. like. It's true. But I, 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 I chemically treat yeah. my hair with color and stuff. You're not doing that, so it's not as high of a concern. No, it's but, just. But. Um, head and shoulders has been shampooing. waking me up for 35 years. It's going to wake me up for another 35. Oh, you're killing me! I ever. I get it, I get it. I have baby smooth, baby soft hair. I don't need to worry about it. Well, when you start getting the grays and silvers and all that. I'm almost 35. They're not, they haven't started yet. No, you're, you're, you're lucky. I, I, By I the way, have you, you seen that. any gray hairs? I, I, I honestly haven't. I would, Damn be, right. I would be honest. Dad. But when you do start, if you decide, if you're just going to go with it or if you decide you want to color it. That's no, when no, you no. Start no. to see weird no, stuff. No, just for men. I Clive Clyde Frazier and uh, Keith Hernandez have got me on the right track. Nice. <laughs> and how many people can name those two who are my age? <laughs> it's so funny, like how I was trying to um, kind of come up with like a vi- visual of you, like like listening to your voice. You Do know I, I mean? look like I sound? I thought you were older because you you sound so informative, but then you started joking around, and then like I, I think you 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 know you you were kind of like I don't know if you swore or we started swearing. I was like, oh no, I swear, I can swear at the best of them. No, but you were getting you were getting pretty fired up about something, and and I was listening, and I Sounds was like, right. like and and so we anticipated or like, okay, so maybe he's not older. Wait, we just got Facebook. We're like we're gonna troll his Facebook page. And like, it was and then you're like, funny. oh god, this guy's gonna look terrible on camera. No, I just, I, I thought you were older. Yeah. Because your podcast, you, you sound like, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Then how old I are you? Thirty. I'm gonna be thirty-five. I'm thirty-four. 35. I'm 34. thirty-four. So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's not. You're not like a spring chicken right out of college, but I mean, that's still pretty young to like most thirty-four-year-olds. Well, maybe not most, but. No, most I certainly am not like spending most of my days reading and listening to CNN or like reading news. Right. You know what's going on. And so you're, you know what I mean. That's well, I think it goes back. Honestly, it goes back to the fact that I started doing it when I was so young at the high school level that I 
I'm right now where I think a lot of guys who go into any form of broadcasting or comedy get to in their 50s. Yeah. Only because I've done it for the same amount of time as the people who do it that long. Where I wanted to do sports, I wanted to be a stand-up, I wanted to do improv. I had this weird dream. I had this weird dream for a while that I wanted to be on SNL, and then at the end, what I've realized as I've gotten older is I'm actually glad none of that ever. I never really went after it very hard because I would feel very empty right now if I was just a comedian or a sports talk host because it's more important to me to have a voice on policy. And while small. And insignificant my voice may be for now, you know, it's more important to me to fight for that because I'm a relic. I know. All right, camera. I know that I'm a smart guy. I'm not a genius. I'm not a member of Mensa, but I know that I'm intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I also know how to read quickly. So I have this. And I rem- and honestly, I remember everything I watch, everything that I every movie I've ever seen. Within two, within two viewings of it, I remember every line. And within, if I've seen it more than ten times, not only can I do every line, I can probably do most of the sound effects and music. Because my brain just retains it. So I've taken that skill and kind of tried to apply it to politics. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's really where it comes in. So it's, it's not so much that I'm better at it than most people. It's just that I'm able, I have very fast recall. Yeah. And so if an issue comes up that I know about, the stuff that I've learned is easily brought to the surface. Uh, you guys are, are t- you guys ever seen Sherlock on the BBC mm-hmm. with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? My dad watched it. <laughs> okay, so the, the line that he's got in one of the episodes is he, he refers to his brain as a hard drive. Yes. And he constantly talks about how there's not enough room for the data in there. And it goes back to the original book. But basically the idea is that Sherlock Holmes knows everything there is to know about forensic investigating. But what he doesn't know is that the Earth goes around the sun. Like he just doesn't know that. Because it doesn't matter in his world that he knows that. It, at no point will it affect a murder case that he's doing. So it doesn't matter. And, I'm in the, and I kind of do the same thing. Like If it's not going to help me in what I'm trying to do, I just get rid of the information. I don't hold on to it. But if it's something that I feel I can use later, it, it kind of gets stored and I know it's there. And, you know, if you ask me a random trivia question about movies or TV, chances are I'll know the answer. It'll just take me a second to access the brain and bring it to the surface. So that's, that's, that's why I, that's, I, I took this weird pop culture nerd skill and decided to turn it into a force for good. Yeah. What, what did you call me, a podcast vigilante? Yes. Yeah, like that. That's perfect. Yeah, and you know, um, it's it's interesting. Like for you, it, it seems maybe whether it's audio or just like retaining that dialogue because it it, it means something to you or you you see the value mm-hmm. in it. Whereas like I will, uh, I have I have the same thing, but it's visual for me. Mm-hmm. I will, I never remember people's names, but I will never forget. I'll tell you what your formula was. What what you know, even if I hadn't seen you for a year or two yeah. or whatever, I'll tell you your formula, what I did to your hair, what was on there, probably what you were wearing that day, what we talked about, but everything else, like it's just I can't remember those like like scripts or movies, things like that. It drives me nuts because you know, I love the you know, you know, the movie thing and the, you know, my my husband's a lot like that. He'll remember every little detail about it. Drives me nuts. I'm like, God, why don't I remember that? You know? Even like when you're scrolling Netflix, I'm like, I don't remember if I saw that or not until it starts and I see it. The well, visual. You know uh, what I mean? One of my one of my best friends is this girl, Laura, and uh, 
she's she's awesome. But one of the things that we do together is uh, we get very drunk and we watch bad scary movies, and and it's like one of those things where. Like kind of like how I joked earlier, but not joke, but like entire like fall. But it's like one of those things where you know people say like I've read all the news, mm-hmm. and like I said that earlier. I've also seen every horror movie every. that that's worth watching. I've seen every single one, and a lot of them are terrible. But every once in a while, you get lucky and one is good. But I remember every one we've seen, so it turns into this weird. And she's like, oh, of course, or she doesn't yeah. remember. So I don't know. It's 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 a weird thing. It's I, I as much as I try to be positive, I'm very worried about the world right now. There are there are decisions that are being made that are important. You know, the climate change stuff is incredibly important. The you know you you, you look at economic inequality, incredibly important, incredibly important because any society that has had this level of economic inequality has almost has almost always ended in violent revolution. Like, that's always been the outcome. Really? Yeah. So you've got to be afraid of that. You've got to learn. The, and I I would like to believe that as a species we've learned that lesson, but apparently we haven't. So. Yeah. Do you think we ever will? Because it just yes. seems to be like in our DNA to just, you know, whether it be to question or, or to, you know, like in a good, you know what I mean, back and forth. It's, we're always seem to be... Disagreement too. Well, it, I mean that's part of it. I also I, I'm a person or who lack of an education or you know people that are informed or whatnot. Well, it, but not being informed is not the problem. Believe it or not, I don't know everything. The stuff that I've talked about tonight is stuff that I've worked hard to learn about. Right. But I don't understand the speed of light. I don't get how that works. And I, honestly, it's one of those things where, like, I'll give you a great example. Do you know that the Earth is round? Okay, how do you know that? Alright guys, that was part one of the audio on the of me on the Splitting Hairs podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be bringing you part two later in the week, and you'll have to figure out at that point how she knows what she knows. I, I don't know. It was the closest thing to a cliffhanger at that point I could find. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back later. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chicago Podcast Network, and you can find us, or you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Please like and share us. Let people know that you listen to our uh, podcast if you do. And uh, other than that, thank you guys so much. Talk to you later in the week. I'm out. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.